May I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's Gospel reading presents us with a dramatic story of an encounter between Jesus and evil. And from what we heard, this evil appears as a man who is possessed by a demon, an unclean spirit. Now, over the centuries, there seems to have been a change in attitudes toward the presence of or the belief in supernatural forces like spirits or demons. Not that long ago, the prevailing views seemed to be that such beliefs were relics of some pre-modern worldview, that the best way to approach such things when encountering them in scripture or in the beliefs and practices of religions or cultures was to demythologize them, to interpret an account of demon possession, for example, as an attempt to make sense of some kind of mental illness. There was also a widespread assumption at the time that such beliefs and practices in time would decline and eventually disappear as the scientific worldview became more prevalent. That hasn't exactly happened, has it? Even though religious affiliation and denominational commitment has declined in most research studies, those same surveys also show a widespread belief in angels, spirits, and other supernatural beings. Whatever disenchantment of the world that was predicted or foretold 50 years ago hasn't really happened. And the popularity of movies and TV shows about vampires and zombies and ghosts and the like testify to our continuing fascination with the spiritual world. I mean, there's rarely a week that goes by when I don't see some article across my newsfeed that mentions some kind of exorcism or other paranormal event somewhere in the world. Still, I suspect that for most of us listening today, not all, perhaps, but most, this story from the Gospel of Mark is a little troubling, and it opens up a perspective on Jesus that's very different, maybe, than the one that most of us hold dear. The Jesus we love and follow is a moral example, a teacher of deep and profound ethical wisdom, not usually seen as some kind of exorcist. But if we try to overlook that aspect of Jesus' ministry, especially in Mark, if we try to ignore the importance of language about the devil, evil spirits, and so on in this gospel, we'll miss out on one of its central themes, and one that may not only challenge us as we try to follow Jesus, but also empower us to see more clearly and to act more boldly in his name. It's important to remember that in Mark, this account that we hear in the synagogue this morning is actually the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. 
We've seen him being baptized. We saw him call his disciples. But Jesus' appearance in the synagogue and his casting out of that unclean spirit is really his first public action. And it matters that Mark tells the story this way. Each of the other Gospels have different events at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Luke, for example, uses a similar setting of the synagogue, but he only focuses on Jesus' preaching that he did that day. For Mark, to begin his story of Jesus' ministry with a confrontation with an unclean or evil spirit is important. Jesus' ministry in this gospel is not just about the words he says and the example he sets. In Mark, Jesus is actively combating the forces of evil that enslave human beings and the world. And he brings freedom to those who are held captive by them. We see evidence of this cosmic battle already happening at the very beginning of this gospel. If you remember, immediately after he's baptized, Mark writes Jesus is driven into the desert where he's tempted by the devil. We can imagine the drama in this scene before us this morning. Jesus and his disciples show up in that synagogue on the Sabbath and he begins to teach. And the response from that crowd that was gathered there was immediate. His teaching was something new. It challenged convention, challenged tradition, challenged the views of the religious elite and the official interpreter of the scripture who were the scribes. But hardly had he begun when Jesus himself was challenged. That man with the unclean spirit comes forward. He may be speaking not just for himself or for the spirit within him, but he may be voicing the thoughts of the others who were present. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus responds by using the same words he will later use in Mark's gospel to calm the sea. And Mark also uses that same word, rebuke, to describe Jesus' response to Peter later on. By casting out the evil spirit, Jesus returns the man to wholeness of his body and mind. And he also restores him to his community. At the same time, Jesus' authority, both his words and his deeds of power, bring disruption to that community in which he lives and works. And that disruption will end, of course, with his crucifixion. Stories like this are challenging on a number of levels. They challenge the way we look at the world and at Jesus. They challenge us to think about our assumptions about ourselves, God, and others. We might see ourselves in this story as that man who is overwhelmed and bound by evil, the man set free by Jesus' saving and transforming word. 
We may feel ourselves surrounded by forces outside of our controls, pressed down by personal concerns and worries about relationships, worries about family or our futures. We may feel surrounded and pressed down by other matters, fear and anger about events happening in our nation and the world, concern for those whose lives, families, and futures may be threatened by illness or violence or hatred. Or we may look more closely at ourselves and wonder whether, instead of that man with the unclean spirit, our place might be among the other bystanders in this story. Are we those who came to the synagogue on the Sabbath as we do each week to hear words of comfort and reassurance, to be told that all is right with the world and with ourselves? Wherever we stand, whoever we are, the Jesus portrayed by the Gospel of Mark comes to us to disrupt our lives, to unsettle our expectations, to challenge our assumptions about him, ourselves, our world, and God. Of course, if we're really honest, we're probably a little bit of both. We do come in need of words of healing and of help. We come to be made whole again, to be restored to ourselves, to the ones we love, and restored to God. But we also must come to be challenged, to hear those words of authority, to see Jesus rebuking evil, casting it out, we need to speak and act with that authority to challenge the powers of evil in our own lives that bind us all, fill us with fear, and create division in our world. But sometimes the most powerful thing we can do, the greatest witness against those forces of evil, is simply to walk beside those who are even more fearful or more threatened than we are. Sometimes the greatest thing we can do is to put our hand in the hand of another and walk with them in witness and strength against the evil that does surround us. For ultimately, we know that love the true love of Jesus Christ has already won the battle. Our hope is secure and love will always overcome evil.